Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt Frazier, joined with Doug Hay. Doug, is this our downer episode? Are we talking about it's depressing a little, things? It's a little <laughs> defeatist, I think. But the good news is that I'm back for a full episode. I haven't been. Hey, for that a while. is really good news. Yeah. I forgot about that. So that's that's an upper. Yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> Doug is here. We're having fun. It's fall. We both have little allergies going on today. Mm-hmm. At least it's not early in the morning when we're recording, like like last time. <laughs> Don't have the scratchy morning voice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, we so this week we're talking about a topic that was inspired by last week's interview with Robert Cheek. Where, uh, for those who haven't heard it, or even those who have, a little recap, uh, Robert, he talked about eating processed food, and he just kind of mentioned it offhand in the beginning. In fact, I was I asked him a question, I interrupted him to, to make the point that he had gained all this weight without eating processed food, and saying, wow, this must be really working, whatever you're doing, because you're putting on this weight without the processed food you used to be eating. And people typically think when you're trying to put on weight, it's very hard to do that on, on a whole food diet, because you're not getting a lot of caloric density. Um so he, he actually said, no, I'm actually eating more processed food than, than I had been. And then that turned out to be kind of the whole second half of the episode was about dealing with that and actually being okay with that. When when the expectations, I think especially for him as someone who's kind of seen uh, or has been for a very long time as, as you know, the, the, the ideal vegan athlete, right, who has this perfect diet, his talks often are about uh, – holding yourself accountable do you really know exactly what you're eating and you say you're not gaining weight or you're not losing weight but do you really know exactly what you're putting in your body so it's sort of that's kind of been his thing and so it was kind of shocking to hear him say that he had has has gotten away from this somewhat so that's that's the background we got a really good response to that people really liked robert opening up there and we figured we would just kind of expand on that whole idea this idea of being okay with not feeling a ton of motivation and and not forcing yourself to just keep with it, right? To, to letting yourself say, this is okay that I don't feel like doing this thing I had been doing right now, and I'm going to go the other way and, and see what happens. And, and we, you know, I think the point is that it turns out to to lead to some pretty surprising and good results. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good, I'm glad you agree. Uh, before we do that, I want to quickly mention two upcoming events that I have uh, one of them is in Atlanta at no- November 11th through the 13th. It's the Remedy Food Project Live. Uh, I-, I did the Toronto event. It was wonderful. It was one of my favorite events I've been to. It's the one that got my dad to start eating a plant-based diet, so I am forever thankful for that. Uh, I will be there along with Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Michael Greger, David Carter, the NFL player, Brenda Davis, Jason Robel, Ocean Robbins, and many, many more. If you use the code NOMEATATHLETE at remedyfood.org slash Atlanta, you can save 20% on any weekend pass. So that's event number one. The second event on my calendar is not till 2017. It is March 11th through 18th, and of course is the Holistic Holiday at Sea Vegan Cruise, where I will be again for the third year uh, speaking with Robert Cheek, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, Ann Esselstyn, Jane Esselstyn, Dr. Campbell, Dr. Bernard, Dr. Greger, Gene Bauer, and many, many others. Uh, the early bird pricing for that cruise ends October 24th of 2016. So if you want to get the best deal on a nice little cruise cabin, Doug, which I know you do, uh, head over to nomadathlete.com slash vegan dash cruise, and you will be redirected to the cruise website. Yes. Okay. So that's it. Let's, uh, let's dive into what we're talking about. Uh, so Doug, I'd like you to lead us off since I've been talking forever. 
you mentioned that, that you have some of your own examples here. Some of your own, you relate to this, this lack of motivation feeling and you're okay with that. I am. And it's, uh, you know, kind of hard for me to admit, I guess, a little bit. Um, and that has been that really since Thunder Rock 100, which was in back in May of this year, uh, my motivation for racing and, and training has really gone down the tubes. Um, <laughs> not and, and what's interesting about this is that it's not a lack of motivation for running. Um, because So going into this year, I had a packed race schedules, doing an ultra every month for the first four months, and um, you know, all in training for this big goal of Thunder Rock, and I was super pumped about all of it. Um, and then I achieved the goal, and then didn't have another race on the calendar and, and really kind of didn't have any sort of plan or strategy for how I would continue racing and, and never really got that. Um, but what's been interesting about this is that I haven't quit running, right? Um, so my tra- I haven't followed a training plan. I haven't raced uh, other than a few like small one-off races that um, were relays and things like that. Uh, but I've been running still almost every day, you know, at least five times a week and doing some you know, adventures and some bigger challenges and pushes and stuff like that. But it hasn't been the traditional motivation with racing and, and running that I have had in the past. So that's interesting. I mean, my my struggles with, with motivation around running, I guess it's not running, are, are well documented. We talk about them all the time as, as me being the guy who's constantly up and down and you being the much steadier, dependable runner who's always out there. And it sounds like you are doing that. Uh but to what do you attribute the the lack of energy for for racing? You know, I think I put so much energy into Thunder Rock and so much energy into that preparation um, that I needed a break. I needed to step away, and um, and I, in the past I wouldn't have allowed myself to do that. I would have had something else on the calendar already, um, and you know, and and what I found is that when I do that, when I force myself to do certain races um, just because I feel like I need that to maintain my training, then the races often don't go very well. Training is kind of a struggle. Um, you know, I might get in the miles, but I'm not having fun with it, that kind of thing. Uh, and this this, this separation, this break from racing for the past several months and, you know, probably until next spring um, has allowed me to kind of experiment with different things. I did a vertical gain challenge where I tried to get 40,000 feet of vertical gain in a month. Um, and you know, I've kind of gone on these adventures that didn't have, that didn't pay any attention to pace or, or really what I was doing, but just kind of full days in the mountains. And, and that, that's been the motivating thing. And, and they're not something I'm building up toward necessarily. Um, but I think the, the separation allowed me to a little, it, it gave me, let me breathe a little bit, gave me a little bit of freedom. Right. So have you... I mean, I don't think you're here yet, but have have you gotten to the point where that separation has motivated you again to want to do racing? Yeah, already I'm thinking for next year and kind of getting excited for for next year and next spring um, and maybe going back to Thunder Rock or or doing something like that. Um, Yeah, so after six, seven months off, six months off, um, I'm starting to catch the bug again. And uh, in these kind of bigger adventures and stuff are are motivating me to to want to put that into a race if that makes sense yeah it it totally does because i think that's uh, that's kind of the great irony here and and maybe the reason that we did this episode is that when you do 
step away and and finally get to be okay as robert has done with with eating this happened because he stepped away from from competitive bodybuilding and that's what kind of began him moved him along this course because now he's eating more processed food than he was before but it's funny that when he stopped having the mindset of i'm a competitive bodybuilder suddenly his motivation for bodybuilding went up maybe not suddenly but but soon his his motivation came back because suddenly it was this fun thing he could do again this thing that he he had gotten into for a reason and now he could he could experience that again for that reason so not at all surprising to me there your your situation reminds me a lot uh particularly of my my hundred miler when i ran mine i had signed up for one i probably three years before i actually ended up running one and never began the training it was just i think it was just too overwhelming i didn't have a plan laid out and i literally never went for one training run that i was gonna do i signed up for the race and just you know figured it it was in 24 weeks or whatever away and i just said okay i'll I'll start training a couple weeks from now never did and just ended up not doing it and i kind of thought for a while I, i got in this headspace of like that was kind of a neat thing but i guess i'm never going to run a hundred miler and i think that's what it took for me to get the motivation back. Cause when I got in that, that new space of, I'm not really interested in trying to train for anything. I'm just like, maybe I'm done with that kind of thing. That's when I suddenly, it was okay for me to try a running streak and mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm just going to run every day. And I'm going to go out there and breathe through my nose and like focus on breathing, be meditative, not wear a watch or sorry, not go just, just wear a watch, run for 30 minutes, but not even look at mileage or anything like that. And I think I did not the running streak, but that type of running I did for three or four months. And that ended up becoming the base for what became the 100 miler because then suddenly I had this nice base because I had gotten back into running in that way. Right. So I think when you when you kind of turn your, not turn your back on, but when you, when you move away from a goal and you stop focusing on it, often that's exactly what you need. That's what it takes for that bug to kind of come back because suddenly this thing that came into your life for a reason is now missing from your life and you realize how much you liked it. And so I think people talk about Scott Jurek all the time. He apparently takes off, I think, like six weeks every fall or something where he doesn't let himself i think do any running i think he totally escapes from running and i don't know what he does i don't think he goes fishing because he's vegan so he probably <laughs> does, does something else with his time maybe sudoku maybe uh, what do people do i don't know <laughs> what do normal people yoga, do with their life? Maybe, yeah. there you go yoga he cooks probably he cooks has has babies apparently <laughs> yeah you know so what's been interesting about this um and i'm kind of just uh, maybe just putting it to words right now. There we um, go. Oh, hey, without a net. <laughs> uh oh. Um, is that you know when when you're really focused on a training plan? So let me take a step back. Sorry. Okay, I should I should. Doug come has in. a net. <laughs> Doug has fallen into his net. Oh jeez. Um, so I love running. I love trail running. When I'm really focused on a race and a training plan, then that trail running becomes a little bit more like work, right? Because you have to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you you feel like you don't have as much flexibility within it and it becomes a chore or work or something like that that um, maybe isn't all that much fun all the time, right? Sometimes it's still fun, but you you lose a little bit about of what made you appreciate that thing to begin with, right? And now that I have taken a break from training plans and and running, I I found myself, you know, pausing for long times at overlooks, cutting run short, you know, so I could watch the sunrise or exploring places that I don't really know where they're going to go. They might not get me to quite the, as good of a run in, um, you know, had I, if, if I was trying to get a stay to a, stick to a plan. Um, and that has kind of reinvigorated that 
passion for trail running and, and for running. And I think that that is now motivating me back to to wanting to race. Right. Makes sense. Makes total sense. And and makes the point. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what we're trying to say. So you mentioned, Doug, when you were telling your your story of, of not being motivated. You mentioned that you didn't hadn't signed up for another race when you finished your hundred. Right. Almost as if you were blaming that for the for the the you know, next six months of not feeling motivated. Well, I was saying, well, kind of. Um, I mean, you know, that's a strategy you and I both talked about a lot and a strategy I had for a long time where I didn't want to finish a race without having another race on the calendar. Right. Which is a good, I think, I think for beginning runners is a good strategy mm-hmm. because it's, it's really easy to run your race and then not feel motivation. If, if the goal is keep yourself motivated as much as you possibly, like squeeze as much as you can out of this running motivation you have or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, then yeah, signing up for a race before you're finished with the one you're working on is a good motivational tool because it prevents you from falling into this rut. Right. Okay. But. But I didn't, and, and that's something I had done for a really long time, but I did not do that this year. And uh, there was no intention of taking a six month, what will become a, you know, a nine or 10 month hiatus, right? From racing. Um, and I think that because I never signed up for anything else big and motivating, then um I, I just kind of, it never, it never triggered, you know, that, that right. response for me to then sign up for one never, never Okay, happened. so my question though is, do you think that the six months of not feeling motivated, or however long it's been, that that was something you needed in order to feel passionate about this again? Or would, have, have having had a goal, another ultra marathon lined up, that as soon as you finish this 100, you take a week off and you get back to training... Would that have just totally fixed the problem or prevented the problem from happening? Or, or was this something that had to happen that you needed to get away from I that mean, type of mindset? I think I probably needed it, right? I think that there was a reason why I didn't sign up for something. Mm-hmm. Um, there was part of me that was saying, you need that break. You need to take that away. Could I have done that and, and then gone on to race and had good races? Maybe. Um, yeah, sure. But I think probably for the longevity would... uh, you know, of, of this passion... Uh, it was good. It was better for me to take six months off. Yes. So that's that's. I mean, the point that I wanted to get at here because I I used to give that advice, and I do think it's useful. Like I said, if the goal is to get as much as you can out of this current push of motivation, then yes, <clears throat> you should keep pushing it. But I think there's the risk of going too far with it and kind of ignoring this idea that I not that I invented it, but a guy named Jim Rohn, a kind of motivational speaker, I think talks about these seasons in your life. That your life has these seasons in it, not not lining up with the calendar seasons necessarily, although they might, uh, but they could be much longer. They could be six month or three year or five year seasons, who knows, where you need something different and, and your energy level for creating new things is not high and then you go through a period after that when it is really high, right? Day follows night, that idea. So for me, I feel like if you don't let yourself experience that season, as I used to not, as I used to say, well, I, I need to have a goal so that I don't let myself stop running or don't let myself, yeah, don't let myself stop running, um, that you're kind of setting yourself up for a, a bigger crash down the road. You're sort of artificially inflating your, your motivation level so that one day you will truly burn out and you would have been so much better if you had just let yourself get away for a few months. Right. You know, that's how you keep it up for a lifetime rather than rather than burning out after a few years. So I don't know. That, I mean, that's that's what I think. I tend not to give that advice. I don't think that's useful anymore. I found that when I 
did that, I would have goals that weren't motivating to me. And like my, my biggest thing around goals is that it needs to, if you're going to set a goal and you want it to, you want to have a good chance of achieving it, then it had better create some action. When you, the very thought of that goal better get you really excited and make you want to go do something. If it doesn't, then it's either too small, which I think is more common that the goal is too small and it's just not that exciting, or it's too big and it is overwhelmingly large, like my first hundred miler was, and no action flows from it because it's too large. If, if, if it's the right goal for you, I think the action is going to come from it. So I, I found that when I was setting these goals ahead of, when I had a marathon on the calendar ready to go, and I'd make sure I set another goal a few months out from that before I finished that marathon, it started to feel like it was artificial. Like I, the action wasn't flowing from this because it, it didn't come from any sort of organic process. It was more like, I need to set a goal. So I'm just going to search around and find one and then put it on the calendar. Right. What, you know, what about, what about people who don't really like that, that, that whatever they are doing? So maybe that using running as an example for people who just don't love running and probably will never start, find that passion or that excitement for running when they don't have a goal and they, they need that goal to, in order to keep doing it. Should they yeah. not be doing it to begin with? I mean, because well, chances right. are it's not sustainable, right? You know, long term. I mean, so you're that's the type of runner that I feel like I am, right? When I don't have a good goal, most of the time I can't get myself to go run like you can. If I don't have a goal in the calendar, like, yes, the, I did the running streak and that was a nice, that was kind of a goal in itself. It was just a different one. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if you if you can't do something without a goal, then... I don't know. It, then it's okay to, to have a break where you don't do it until the the itch, you know, for starts to come again. Yeah, again. That, and that's that's how it has worked for me. Like when I was trying to qualify for Boston, it took six races to do that, and seven years, you know, to do that. But it only took that long because there were six or nine month breaks sometimes between marathons, because I would I would just totally I'd run a marathon and then I would totally be burnt out and not wanting to think about that. But in getting away from it, that's what would kind of, you know, lead one day to that, to that day of inspiration when I get excited and find out about a race and just all these possibilities start to come to mind. So, I mean, yeah, I could have gotten there much faster had I been smart about it and said, here are the three races I'm going to do. And it's going to take a two or three year process. And maybe seeing that finish line in sight would have prevented me from needing those six month breaks. But, uh, the way I did it, I felt like I absolutely needed that time off even though in the moment i didn't realize it right? I, I felt all guilty for not wanting to run but eventually i just sort of like said well i guess it's not going to happen and then pretty much after as soon as as soon as you say that that's when it gets exciting <laughs> again that it might right yeah yeah i mean i think i think that works except and you you kind of hinted to this earlier except when you're just starting out um and in order to to really get excited about something i, I feel like you have to kind of put yourself through a process of, of setting goals constantly. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I also think when you're first, start, at least it, for me, when I was first starting out, uh, it was easy to just keep setting goals. Like, like I needed them for sure, but there wasn't, I wasn't at all burnout. There was no desire to, or, or no even tendency to take a bunch of time off because that was all I wanted to think about. It was just this exciting new thing. Right. Um, so yeah, no, who knows? But this, this isn't just for running or fitness, of course. It started with food when we talked about Robert's example. Uh, I think the same thing goes for food. I really do. Like we, the idea of comfort food is is a is a known thing, right? Yes. A, a trope. A trope. <laughs> is that what they're called? A what? A trope. Like ideas that are repeated in movies oh. and podcasts. Comfort food. Comfort food. Comfort food trope. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. I was going to do a hair. Uh, what was that guy who just died? Willy Wonka meme oh, yeah. thing. No, okay. Never no. mind. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I, but I think, I think comfort food is sort of the same idea that like we, we, a lot of people beat themselves up over eating, I don't know, lasagna or mac and cheese, vegan versions, of course, but comfort foods that are, that are loaded in fat, maybe loaded in white carbohydrate, not doing your body any good, but it's called comfort food for a reason. And that's because it comforts you and it makes your brain happy. Now, I don't know if it, if it makes your brain happy for a long term or if it's just literally an hour long boost of feeling good and then you feel <laughs> terrible then. Uh, but I think this sort of falls in the same category. Like, and this is what Robert and I have kind of experienced that it seems like it's not just okay, but maybe good, maybe needed to sometimes eat food that isn't as healthy. Like, you know, because it is nourishing to your mind and, and whatever else comes with that. So not even mentioning social aspects and all that kind of stuff that sometimes comes with eating less healthy food. Uh, but I found myself beating myself up less about that, right? Like going out with friends and drinking a few beers. Maybe maybe more beers than than are ideal, right? <laughs> maybe. maybe. I, I won't fully admit that that's happening, but <laughs> but when it has happened, if it has, if it in fact has, not saying that it has. I've yeah. I've found myself in the morning being like, it used to be that when that happened, you say, well, I'm never doing that again, and I can't believe I did that, and I'm an idiot, and you know, I'm just never going to do that again. But I kind of found myself saying like, but I had a really really good time with my friends. Right. And maybe I needed that. I feel like I don't know. I've got to the point where I can I can say like that. That's the maybe the cost of having a really good time and feeling like I reconnected with friends. And you know, I, and I guess there are other ways to do it. You could be the person who's not drinking, and, and maybe your friends would totally respect that, and, and it'd be great. In fact, I have some friends who recently have not been drinking, thanks to the one year no beer podcast oh. that we did, I which I think is awesome. So congratulations to those friends, and they have kind of inspired me to want to get back on that train and do that again. But uh, anyway, I, I just, I think it's good. And I think the same thing about junky food. Like I've been eating more olive oil as I've been cooking more, but at the same time, I've been making really good, authentic recipes that feel really fun to make and really fun to eat and share and to make for my family and eat with them. And I just don't feel bad about it. I just feel like this is, this is cool. Like I'm, I'm getting to really enjoy food in, in a way I haven't in a while. So how do you balance that? You know, that feeling of this is okay and I need this to, you know, kind of reconnect with friends or to just relax a little bit or whatever. Um, balance that with giving up on eating healthy. Yeah, I, and that that's the big problem. I was thinking about this same exact thing. Like when we talk about eating comfort food, like there are a lot of people for whom I would not recommend they eat a comfort food diet all winter long. Because right. they might never come out of that. And that just m- might mean they gain 40 pounds and that stays on. Yeah. Uh, similarly, to someone who had any kind of drinking problem at all, right. I would never recommend <laughs> they go with their friends and get drunk just to, sure. just to, or to have one extra beer um, just, just to reconnect with their friends. That, that's the wrong solution for that person. So I don't know. I, I think it's, it's about knowing yourself and knowing like where are your, are your problem areas, your trigger areas, and what's going to be the, the slippery slope for you. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean... Other than knowing yourself and knowing what could potentially be an issue for you, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, that's the that's the hard part is is when you're feeling unmotivated to do something like running or eat healthy or whatever, um, knowing when when you can take a break and when is that's the exact wrong time to take a break, right? Yeah, and it's made trickier by the fact that we just said like 
with running, the magic happens when you have, at least in my case, when I have fully forgotten about that. Fully <laughs> let go. Uh, so do you need to push yourself to the brink of totally not caring about, you know, the the good behavior anymore? Do you need to do you need to eat to the point of of total like I've forgotten all about eating healthily and I don't even care about that anymore? Yeah. In order to be re inspired to eat healthily again, hopefully not, because that's 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 not the point. Um, well, here's an idea. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> No net here. Uh oh. No, back up. No net. <laughs> um, you know, w- one thing I like to do with with eating, or, or really just any sort of anytime I'm um, excited about something, or no longer excited about something, I like to transfer that en- energy into something else, right? So instead of just giving up completely on eating healthy or running, and then just not doing anything else new or different. Um, trying to find something else that's it's another healthy habit or lifestyle change that I am excited about and can get me excited. Um, and, you know, whether that's music or whether that's something else that it might not be serving the exact same purpose, so it might not be helping you eat clean or stay active, but it's still doing something positive for you that, that can get you excited about it and keeping that momentum going of, of some sort of positive, you know, lifestyle change that and then when you get tired of that you can might want to switch back to whatever you you know the yeah original one i was. i think that is probably the answer i think it's i think for most people that's not going to be the solution because i think they probably will do that automatically right so like when we looked at robert and and he he talked about no longer being a competitive bodybuilder he transferred that energy as he said in the podcast into becoming a writer and he wants to become a new york times best-selling author and that's where his energy went into this new positive aim. I mean, I guess you could judge that whether that's positive or not, but I, you know, for most people or for him, that that's a, a positive mission he's now on. Um, and you know, who knows if he consciously said, well, I'm not doing this bodybuilding thing anymore, but in order to keep myself sane and on the right track, I'm going to instead choose this new path. I don't know if people are consciously making those choices, but, uh, I think, I think that's what will, will happen for most people, right? People who, who, I guess not not to uh, overestimate our audience's capacity and capability, but I would imagine if you're listening to this, if this sort of thing interests you, the stuff we talk about, uh, if that interests you and you're a regular listener, then you're probably not someone who slips into long periods of total destructive habits, right? Probably when you stop running or when you stop focusing so much on healthy eating, that energy probably goes into something else that is positive for the most part. Or maybe they just really love Doug's Did You Knows. <laughs> maybe that's what they listen for, is Doug's Did You Know moment of brilliance every five episodes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think I think you're right. Um, and and like I said, you know, that's something I think I do, but it's it's not necessarily a, a conscious effort. Right. right? It just kind of happens. Yeah, and, and probably that's, we, we probably all have a set point of, of, goodness we need to be progress we need to be making in our lives and when we stop putting energy into running it's probably pretty natural to start putting it into something else without realizing it and i think that is the solution i think it's right it's not it's not a easy advice to follow so i, I doubt many people will say well okay well i'm i'm not feeling motivated about this but i'm gonna go now play guitar instead and get really good at that but maybe for somebody it will who knows but, but I, do, I do think it's important now and then to check in with yourself and and look at what you're doing um you know i, I was just talking about this with katie we were we were talking about how our lives have gotten so busy ahead of having a baby, right? So we're kind of um, 
doing all these things and math's laughing because he I'm knows smirking. that my life is gonna get oh i can't wait <laughs> jazz hour will be no more and no more jazz hour. no but... i hope jazz hour survives i do too um but uh you know we were we were talking about how we need to kind of step back and look at where we're getting our creative fixes and where we're doing um you know our exercise fixes and that kind of thing to make sure that we can maintain that and, and sustain that um, and that, that we don't lose that part of our, of who we are. Yeah. And I think, I think this all comes down to awareness, uh, awareness of what's going on and where you are and like when you have gone too far with the drinking or eating or not exercising or, you know, and being, being mindful and being able to observe and, and not just slip down some terrible path. Uh, right. And who knows, can, can you teach someone to be that? Can we just give the advice to just make sure you're more aware of, of what's going on? I don't know if it's that easy. I think I do think things like meditation really do help with that ability. I think it is a, something a skill you can improve. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's right. This is not a, a go-to quick fix episode. There's no no ten point blog post that's going to result from this that teaches people how to be motivated from now on. But I do think it comes down to tough concepts, but concepts that are teachable or that are things you can improve. And I think meditation, uh, even though we don't talk about it that much, is a way to get better at that sense of awareness that does let you, I guess, you know, be, be stepped, take a step back enough from your life that you can be away from running in your conscious mind. You're not at all thinking about running, but maybe because you're able to kind of observe yourself from, from, you know, 30,000 foot view or whatever other cliche we might put in here, uh, that you could eventually have this moment when enough is enough. And then suddenly you're, you're motivated to get back into it. Yeah. Good. So are you motivated to write more blog posts? I am. We we've been we've made a lot of good progress recently with with Nomad Athlete. I'm excited where we're headed. Me too. <laughs> good. Um, okay. Well, I think that is is enough. I don't think we need to we need to you know beat this idea to death. No. I think we should wrap it up. Thanks for having me back on, Matt. <laughs> You're welcome, Doug. It's, it's been a pleasure. Um, we'll try to get you back on within a few weeks. <laughs> Okay. We, we actually have, we, we do we, have some more. We have some really good. Right? Yeah. Can we say names of guests? I don't know if we can. Is that bad? We probably shouldn't, just in case they fall through. Oh, but yeah. we've got some good ones. We've got some big name people, household names coming up. Absolutely. Fair to say. Fair to say. I like it. Good. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back soon without Doug, but but uh, <laughs> soon after he'll be back. <laughs> Take care.